Hey everybody, this is Scott Leash with Surf and Sales. I'm here with my good friend Richard Harris, as always. And we are super pumped to talk to Henry Frazier today for a lot of different reasons. Henry Frazier uh, is in the insurance industry. He's been building his own business at New York Life for a long time now. Way back when, Henry and I met, if you can believe this, Henry, 16 years ago now. Wow. Is crazy to think about uh, at the first ever software sales job that both of us ever had. So excited to get into uh, our, our discussion today. Welcome, Henry. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Let me let me jump in. I want to I want to ask both of you. Um, so 16 years, right? That's 2004, right? Yeah. You know that, that I was probably 12 years old because you guys are a lot older than me. <laughs> 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 but but seriously like you know what was that like like what were was it a transactional sales environment was it a SaaS sales like talk about that for a second because yeah. I know these stories I know the grind you guys went through and I think it'd be really fun for people to hear where that is versus where we all are today right and and I know we're going to get into Henry's story even before that but talk a little bit about how you guys met yeah, it was, it was very transactional, man. And uh, I sucked pretty much is the bottom line. You know, Scott was the guy. Uh, Scott literally sat in a queue right next to mine. Uh, so that's how we meet. That's how we met. You know, and, and you enter these startup environments, man, and uh, everyone's just trying to figure it out, you know. And uh, you, you, uh, you have a lot of camaraderie, a lot of opportunity to, to have lunch and go out and you know, we started surfing together and, you know, kind of, kind of trying me, to figure things I'm, out. I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to prod you guys a little bit because I know these stories and I think people want to hear like, this was a transactional sale. You were selling to real estate people, if I remember. Yeah, we, right. we were, we were selling online lead generation tools to the real estate industry. Right. Yeah. And, and it was so much of a grind that were you guys really just working Monday to Friday or what was that really like? Like tell people what that story was. So they know like, holy cow. Well, um, you know, <clears throat> initially it was Monday to Friday. Yeah. And, and it was like 6 a.m. We were, we were based in California, but, you know, we, we did like a 6 a.m. to, they called it the 6 a.m. to 3 p.m., you know, shift. But, you know, for a long time, we were not leaving until after 6 p.m. And then one of the things that, you know, started to set us both apart, along with our good friend, Javier, who you also know, Richard, um, is we started coming in as a group, the three of us, like every single Saturday, religiously, like every single Saturday from like 9, 9.30 to 12.31. And then we'd go out and, and go surf. I mean, we were logging insane hours. This is before any of us, you know, had any kids, uh, you know, and, and things like that, different responsibilities. We were all just kind of getting started um, in our in our career. So it was it was it was tough, like Henry said. So you know, how did, how did I, you I was already, I was already I, I want to throw it to Henry because like I was already there a little bit before Henry got there, right? So Henry, if you don't, those of you who don't know Henry, Henry, you know, from Vallejo, California, uh, track star, football star, goes to Indiana University, plays college football there, goes to the Arena League, wins a championship in the Arena League, you know, football, gets hurt. I meet Henry at, at uh, this company called Reply and, and dude is on crutches because he has like torn ankle ligaments and like, how do you, how do you make that decision, Henry, to, you know, I don't want to say Stop give up. On, I, I, wanna, I don't want to say let go or give up on your pro football career, but like, you know, that, that kind of, 
that kind of made the decision for you and all of a sudden you're on the phones yeah my my wife at the time my ex-wife at the time I basically told me you got to get off your ass and get a job. You know, I was I was sitting at home during the off season, hurt. You know, playing video games and just trying to figure out what I'm gonna do next. And uh, she said, you know, you got to get a job, man. You got to get out and you got to do something, because if this football thing doesn't pan out, what are you gonna do next? You know. And I always thought sales would be a great thing. She already worked at Reply, and she's like, hey, I can get you an interview, and and it kind of started from there. So you had you had done sales before, right? Like you had did something at Enterprise Rent a Car or something like that. Yeah, so I I started at Men's Warehouse actually. Okay. You know, and uh, for me, it, it's it's I've always been a people person. You know, one of my I think I think my my purpose in life has to do with people. You know, I I, I think I tell people you know my purpose is to you know bring bring the fun, bring the joy to the people that are joyless you know, and empower those that are powerless and, you know, expose people to their unknown. You know, I'm the guy that's going to go out and do the adventures and go surfing and these type of things. So I've always been a people person. Men's Warehouse was great because you're face to face. You know, these people are coming in, you're getting them into a suit, you're trying to understand their story and why they're in there in the first place. And you're able to really connect, you know, and um, Reply kind of gave me that same feeling. You know, it was a startup, a lot of buzz going on a lot of competitive opportunities pretty cool people to work to work with and and work for and that's kind of what intrigued me about it let me ask, i want to ask you a question Henry. I, I literally just wrote down what you said bringing joy to the joyless and empowering you know the powerless, powerless right yeah but exposing people to their unknown yeah so what where's that come from for henry like um you, you know i'm not looking for you know the, a, a sad story but like that, that's something that's kind of innate in people, right? When you want to bring that to someone, you know, where do you think that came from? I think it, it comes from experience. It also comes from my upbringing, you know, and, and not having a lot, but always being able to find a silver lining in something. You know, I'm the oldest of four. You know, I've been captains of, of teams and, and being in these leadership positions and have always found myself full, regardless of what my circumstances are, you know, and I've always been able to kind of share, you know, what's in my cup to other people. And I've always felt good about that. You know, I've always been a giver. I've been the one that feels better to give a Christmas gift than to get one, you know? So I think it's kind of innate. It, it comes from my upbringing. I think it's, I've been like this for a while, but through my experiences and being able to hone it down to figure out, you know, this is actually my purpose. You know, right. it, it takes experiencing things. It, stay, it takes stepping out there and trying new things, meeting new people to understand that, hey, maybe I am that guy that, that brings the joy. You know, so many people have told me this over the years. Yeah. You know, I'm in a position to where I can let people know things that can change their lives. You know, I, I can empower them to do different things. You keep dropping this great word about experiences. Um, and I know this from you, if you're, if you're comfortable sharing it, um, talk a little bit about what your experience was like as, a, as an athlete. And, and the story I'm really looking for is sort of that, that attitude check that you told me about once with, with, you know, with a guy who's, a, who's, a, who's literally a professional football coach, right? And, yeah. and is that kind of the experience where you kind of had that slap in the face of like, oh, wait a minute, I need to, I need to figure this out. 
Yeah, there's there's experiences when you're when you're in sports. What you're talking about already, I was already at college. Um, most of my experiences, whether it comes to sports or sales or anything, started from me being horrible and having to learn and work my way to being great or or good. But uh, that experience was a humbling experience that happened before I was 21. You know, I I thought I was a big shot. You know, I came off a horrible game, and my coach at the time, Cam Cameron at Indiana University, laid it into me, you know. And at the time, I wasn't ready to hear it, you know. And um, I responded like a lot of probably sales reps do when their managers get in on them and they, their ego is, is, is bigger than they are. And But what, you know, what did he say? Like, again, and I'm just going to push you because I think this is fascinating and people want to hear it. What, what what did you do in the game that wasn't great? And then what were the things that he said that really, you know, you of course you rejected it as you're willing to share. What was that? Just so people get it. Yeah, I mean, the, the expectations for me were pretty high. You know, I'm coming from California. I'm on a full ride scholarship. We're playing on national TV versus Phillip Rivers. And and uh, I, I was horrible. You know, I had a, a few drops. You know, I-, I You were a receiver have, though, right? I was a wide receiver. Yeah, right. so I had, I had a few drops. You know, I- I didn't play up to my potential. And the next day, the coach laid it in on me. And, it, and every, for everyone that plays football, it's not like you're in a, a management office and, you know, your boss is laying it in on you, but there's rules, right? You can't call someone out. <laughs> my coach pretty much laid it in to me, called me yellow, called me everything. And I'm this kid from Vallejo, and I'm listening to this, this uh, you know, white, American, redheaded, Mid Midwest guy calling me all type of names in front of people. And my dad doesn't even talk to me like that. Right. So my response was to react, you know, and, and call him out and, uh, and confront him in front of everybody, which is something that you just do not do. And uh, when you look at, when you look at it and when you watch the film, you really see what they're talking about. You see how timid you were playing without even knowing you know, and you're able to, you have to get out of yourself. It actually took me years after that. I, I, I couldn't watch the NFL for years, but I'm watching people that I played against. And I was blaming everybody. I was blaming my coach. I was blaming all these people that have come at me in, in the wrong way, as opposed to looking at myself and saying, Henry, you know, you're, you're in the position that you're in because of the decisions that you made. Yeah, game, game, game film. You know, we used to, I used to watch game film of my soccer games, and I can remember we, we won the championship in, in, in high school, and we all thought we played, like, the perfect game. And we had, like, a group watch party, and we watched the game, and we were just like, oh, my God, we kind of suck. I don't even know how we, we won that game. Like, game film exposes you in a way that, you know, like Henry said, you didn't even you didn't realize when it was happening. Same thing is, is true in sales. Like, you go back and listen to your calls, you can't hide. Right. Like, oh, I didn't ask that question that was in my script that I'm supposed to ask. Oh, I, I didn't actually set up a next step. Right. Like there's no hiding. That's one of the reasons I love, you know, how, how you're able to use tools like gong and chorus and listen to calls and everything like that. So, but I, th I, think, I think game skills also uh, teach you to want that and search for it. There, there's a lot of sales reps that they don't want to know. Like, I don't want to listen to my calls. I don't want to see how I sound it. Like, I don't want to get the, the criticism yeah. that's going to help so, me grow, right? Yeah. So, uh, so let me ask you guys this. How do you guys, because I'm not a professional athlete, right? I just, you know, I like to pretend I am one by watching the two of you. Um, 
and, and I'm, I'm asking this question to both of you and this, this particular episode's we're going to shift into real sales in a minute, but I think this is really fascinating. What do you do as a professional athlete, right? And, and look, Tom Brady does it too. Manning, Peyton Manning did it. How do you check your ego? What advice can you give to a salesperson to check their ego, to want to listen on gong or course or exec vision, you know, and to be open to that feedback? Cause I think it's hard for all of us. So how do you how do you check yourself a little bit? What advice do you give to someone about checking themselves? I think you have to have some humility. And I, I think it starts by being able to zoom out a bit. I, I think everybody is so zoomed in on what's in front of them right now. You know, you look at your map on your iPhone or whatever, and you never really click on that little negative link that zooms out a bit. And you can see more than just your crap you know what i'm saying everything that's affecting you you're the victim right and, and when you're able to zoom in and you're able to see the bigger picture you're gonna want to actually get better because you're gonna see how what you're doing is impacting those around you and you you hit a point to where you start to really want to give true value and in order to do that you have to get better and you have to have some humility and you have to get slapped around a bit you have to fail you know, yeah, strength, strength comes when you fail. Yeah, and the only thing that I would add is um, it is extremely helpful. I wouldn't say it's mandatory, but I think it's extremely helpful to have the right coach or mentor or what have you at the right place at the right time, right? Like, you know, I don't want to put words in Henry's mouth, but like the way that his coach went at him that day was not the right way at that point in time in his life to be able to receive that kind of message right, right. Um, and, and, and if, if you have somebody who can put you in check in a way that works for you I, I think that really expedites the uh, the learning curve speaking about learning curve you know Henry has said mul multiple times here in a funny way that he was horrible right but fun fact you know I, I, I had broken these all the sales records at, at this company that we were at and I had moved into sales management Henry was on my team and Henry shattered all of my sales records <laughs> smashed them smashed them all right so i don't know you indirectly me. said i couldn't do it you challenged me well maybe that goes back to the point <laughs> i just made then, right right <laughs> scott, scott knew how to scott knew how to poke you just the right way yeah. so scott let, let's shift this to the management side right like you said you know and, and here's the thing we know about managers you know most sales managers are promoted because they're content experts. They're not people experts. Nowhere in our sales history did someone come along and say, by the way, as you grow your career, here's how you manage people. It was literally, you're really good at sales, you can crush the number, you broke the records, now go manage 10 other people. So Scott, what, what advice do you give to the managers who are listening, and Henry, even to you, because I know you've been a sales manager too, on a couple of things you might need to do, right? Because I, I see what Henry's coach is, is the old school way, which is the way I used to manage people, you know, STFU, get back on the phone, right? Um, but that doesn't work so much anymore, particularly with millennials and Gen Z. Um, and, and what they're asking for is the way it should be anyway. So what are some of the things as a manager you can give? What advice can you give to a manager to check their ego to coach their reps? Well, you know, you said, you said managers often get or almost always got promoted because they were really good at selling, not because they're good at understanding people. So, I mean, the first thing that you have to do is you have to get really good at understanding people, 
you know, all, all of my energy, I wouldn't know, maybe not all of it, but like most of my energy became about understanding the people around me, getting to know them, getting to know what made them tick, right? You know, Henry says I found a way to like get under his skin. I don't remember exactly, you know, what I did, but fortunately for us, you know, I did it in a, in a way that uh, worked. And I, you know, I was not perfect as a manager. I definitely had the, you know, bang the drum and like get back on the phone style 15 years ago and I've, I've adjusted uh, and whatnot. But you got to understand people, you know, one of the, I've never been somebody who read like a million sales books, but I read a lot of coaching books. You know, I read books by like John Wooden, which there's a bunch and Phil Jackson and uh, <clears throat> I forget his first name. Dorrance is the head coach of North Carolina. Anson Dorrance, maybe is the head coach of North Carolina women's soccer program. They won like 25 national championships, books like this and, and things. Those were, those were the things that were interesting to me, books on leadership uh, and, and things like that. So, you know, I, I just think that that, to me, that's more important than anything right now, you know, Yep. And Henry and Henry grew into you know a sales manager at Reply you know and and beyond. So you know what what did what did you focus on as a as a sales manager? So I I, I did focus on that. I think knowing people and learning people and learning what drives each individual person is very important. And it takes time. It takes conversation and a lot of openness to do that. But I also think that you need to trust your ability to hire the right people. You know, and what I mean by that, you know, a lot of managers want to take over over everything. You know, my way is the is the highway, and you know, I don't I'm I'm concerned or worried about putting too much responsibility on this employee that I just hired. Where I always looked at it the opposite way. How can I find a way to put more responsibility on you than you're ready for? You know, that's going to give them a lot of ability to 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 run with things their own way, and they're going to feel like you trust them with things, and they're going to want to perform for you more. So, you know, we, we talk a lot in, in sales and software sales in particular about career path of folks, right? So like you come into transactional sales, you become a, a, a sales manager of transactional sales, and then you do something interesting. You kind of decided that sales management wasn't, you know, what you wanted to ultimately do and you wanted to kind of spread your wings. And so you go, you go work for Oracle, right? You go enterprise sales and work for Oracle. What was that experience like and, and you know, making that, that shift? Yeah, I, I wanted something that I, I figured would be more uh, safe. You know, there, there's, a, there's a bigger name. There's a huge platform. And, you know, it's a whole nother world, a whole nother adventure, right, uh, that I hadn't experienced yet. And for me, I, I just never felt like what I was doing was it. Like, I, I just, it wasn't my passion it wasn't like uh, my calling so I was open to something new it was completely different from going from a transactional sale to a more consultative approach it was a completely different from being in complete control from the opening to the close to having a team now and having you know sales development reps and you know business development managers and all these tech guys and that type of stuff so it was a it was a great transition but it was a way for me to figure out something else that I don't like to do. You know, I'm, I'm not a tech guy. I will never be in one situation driving to a job that I don't like. That's just not me. I've, I've, I've had nothing before. I've, I've come from that. I'm not afraid of that. 
So I will not be giving years of my life to somewhere that I just don't like. What did yeah. you get? What did you get out of Oracle, right? Because there's some value to that large organization, right? You went from the you went from one extreme to the next, right? Which is great because it it opened your eyes in, in a different way. What were some of the positive things that you got out of the big company? The people within the company and the connections that you make, um, seeing how a big company works, realizing what a fourth quarter actually means, right, in, in, in sales, and taking a whole consultative, consultative approach. You know, I, I first went through Sandler training with Oracle, you know, and, and Costigan sales training and, you know, all these different things that you end up experiencing when you end up working for an organization that big. But then you also realize how capable you are as well and, and, and that you're valuable. A, a company like that will pay you and they will pay you well to come and, and present their solutions. And if I can sell that, what else, what can't I sell, right? What, how long were you at Oracle? I was there for a little bit over two years. And what, what were your roles there? Where did you start? Where did you end by the time you left? So I was an inside sales rep and I left uh, before having to make a decision of what to do next within that company. Okay. So my next position was a director of sales at a startup company again. Okay. Got it. So, so now, now I, I want to get into like the big change that you made, which was basically to leave. I know you went on and became director of sales at another, you know, tech company. Right. But you had already known um, a little bit inside of you that like the tech world wasn't going to be for you. So you make this big, bold decision, right? And I remember, I remember when, you, when you told me that you were going to do it, you were going to get out of the tech industry and you hit the reset button essentially on, on your whole career and transition into you know, the, the insurance business and go to, uh, to New York Live. So why, how, why did you make that, that choice? And what, what was so appealing about this different type of, uh, this different type of sale, this diff different craft? right? It's not, not inside sales, you know, at all, right? What was appealing about it? I think I, the place that I was at in my life, I, I was in my mid thirties. I was divorced. You know, I had lost a home that I had bought, you know, and um, I just wasn't, wasn't happy. And, 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 but at the same time, I had so many experiences that I really understood me and what made me happy. And I've sold so many things at such a high level that to me, it, it's, it changed from the product to actually what it actually does and what I can actually do to impact people. And I had to go away and I actually, actually said, had to take some time to figure out what do I want? What's going to make me happy? And I started thinking more about future Henry, you know, and, and I'm driving around the Bay area on a Tuesday at 11 o'clock, seeing people on a, golf course, right? What, what are these people doing? What is it that makes me happy? You know, spending time with my family, spending time with my friends, spending time with my loved ones, traveling, you know, enjoying the good life is what I wanted. And I needed time to do that. I, I realized I, the way that I was going, you know, um, with the transactional things that I was doing and not really creating these residual type of incomes wasn't going to put me in a position that's going to allow me to sit back and relax. And when I think about my uh, wanting to, to connect with people, I started thinking, you know, what is it that people value? People value their money. 
people value their loved ones. And if I can become an expert in teaching them how to protect their loved ones and how to save for a healthy financial future, you're always going to see some value in me. I'm always going to be able to connect with people, right? So that's what kind of drove me to this industry. And I started seeing and learning more about finances, more about money and realizing coming from where I come in Vallejo, there's, there's such a need for this uh, all across America. And, and you've been at this for a while now, right? And, you know, you just told me, and congratulations again, but you just got handpicked by New York Life, right? You just made like the top 10 list for, uh, you know, African-American agents across the country or something like that, right? What's the, what's yeah. the award, exact award? I'm yeah, sorry. so it's not, it's not public yet, so I don't want to talk much. Oh much on it <laughs> the stats, the stats, the, the, said, the stats what you said aren't totally right but you know out of out of you know new york life is great when they come to segmenting cultural markets because when it comes to finances whether you're african-american whether you're chinese whether you're uh filipino whether you're mexican the 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 um obstacles you face are different in a, when it comes to finances in america and new york life does a great job of of understanding these things and you know breaking these off into markets and providing us with tools that can speak specifically to these cultural markets so yes i was named as one of the top african americans in the in the country and there's probably going to be more things that come out about if, that uh, but i can't speak too much on it if, now. if some if some of our listeners are out there you know and they're in software sales and and maybe they also are not sure if software sales is right for them or tech sales and they they were curious about you know the, the the way that you've gone about building your business and and the the skill set required for you to sell so successfully. What 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 advice would you give to them? Like what are the, what are the skill sets required and the differences in 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 salesmanship um, for what you've been doing for the last number of years now? So a lot of times you'll come out of a tech company or you'll come out of a startup company and you'll come into this world and you'll think like I thought oh my god people are lazy like I, I remember making a hundred dollars a day when I was in inside sales you know um, being in a sales position in software you really feel like you're selling you're, you're closing people you, you've got these quotas and when you're in the finance world it's, it's a little bit different you don't really feel like you're selling much um, the amount of calls you're making or that people are making isn't nearly as high, you know? So you, you, the work ethic that you get, the closing skills that you learn from doing transactional sales come in very handy when you're in this industry. Um, and when you're understanding that whole consultative approach and you're learning how to uncover people's pain and, and dive deeper and that type of stuff, all those things that you learn in software sales are applicable in this industry. And I don't think too many people come into this industry with a sales background for some reason, which is what I've, which, which is what I've run into. Hmm. I, I can look, I've, I've, I'm a client of Henry's um, probably started more out of friendship and just sort of, okay, Henry, yeah, I'll take the meeting. Um, but I can, but I, I can tell you that the, what Henry says is true. Like he walked in the door and, you know, Henry shows up at your house, at your office. He, it's like, I'm always like, hey, let's just do this on the phone. He's like, no, 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 we, I'll come over to you. I'll come over to you. And uh, really does put that personal touch on it. And then 
really does walk you through all these different things that, that matter and asks, he makes you think about the, the uncomfortable situations that can occur in life in a healthy way, in a way that's like, Hey, look, Richard, you got a wife and two kids. And like, you know, I, I know you don't want to think about this, but we kind of have to. Right. And, and, and then he'll sort of, you know, say, well, you know, what do you want the kids to do? Do you want them to go to college? Do you want them to have X after they go to college? Do you want them to do these things? You know, so I can tell you that Henry practices what he preaches is, is what I want to say. So uh, I, I think it's great that you've been able to sort of build all this in. I, I have a question for you though, around coming to New York life, right? <laughs> coming to insurance. Um, how long did it take you to build your book of business? It took a few years actually to build my book of business. It, are they are they paying you a, a startup salary when you start at New York Life? Well, it, you you have like an expense allowance, right? But there, there's really no base pay. You know, it's, it's a completely different platform. It's mo it's mainly commissions. I mean, you're go you're going into business for your, yourself. You're starting from zero, basically, right? Yes. So, yeah. So hey. that's, that's the part I want to talk about too, because it's it's scary to people to like think oh, wow, this is what it takes. I was talking to, you know, we spoke to Rock yesterday um, on one of our podcasts, and, and I don't know if he brought it up in the podcast or not, but he said, you know, the most important years in your sales life are two, three, and four. Because mm -hmm. the first year, you're just figuring it out. Year two, maybe you're figuring it out and you're upping at one level. Year three is where you can really start to see real income, right? Like that's where you start to make multi-hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Mm -hmm. Um and I don't know if it's like that in the insurance business in terms of the dollar sign, but, but I think it is that way probably in just being able to make a, a lifestyle business and, and a, and it, to your point of, I want to spend time with my family and I want to be at the golf course on Tuesdays. Is that what it's really like at New York, like, you know, in life insurance or, or just insurance? Cause I know you do more than life insurance. So. And you're asking more about the, the lifestyle or is the income, I'm talking about the income, right? Like, cause that's, that's a pretty why, big adjustment, right? Like that's a mental adjustment that you got to make. Right. And that's, and that's why I'm saying if you can zoom out, right. And if you can figure out what is the destination, if, if you know that the, there is a, a piece of gold on the top of that mountain and you know, you have what it takes to get there at some point you hit a point in your career to where you kind of gravitate to the more difficult things because you know that you have what it takes to still stay in it when everyone else is going to drop off. You know, I, I tell people I, I work with an agent that made $197,000, right? And I pause a little bit and I tell them he made it that, he made it last month, right? And a lot of people are like, oh my God, 197000 in a month, right? You know, there are financial advisors that are making, you know, half a million in a month. I, I've, I've seen it, right? So you just have to be able to build that value and give it to enough people. And me understanding that it's never gonna be that I know more about finances than this person does. Or, you know, I look better in a suit or my company is that much stronger than yours. That, that's not what it's gonna take for me to win that battle. It's gonna take me doing those extra things that you're not going to do. And me understanding what is my true value that I bring. You know, Richard, you mentioned I come to your house. There, there's nobody that is going to have the level of care for their clients that I have. You know, my work ethic, it talks to my character, my experiences, my culture, my background, 
that's my personal story. And the way that I talk about this, the way that I communicate it is my own style. So if I can market that, as opposed to worried about the company or the product, um, that's really how you're gonna grow when you can kind of set yourself apart. So I, I wanna I want transition just a little bit and, and I'm gonna try to comfortably throw Henry under the bus and have him, have him redeem himself a little bit, right? So, uh, so many people, you know, get into sales when they're, when they're young and they start making good money for the first time, right? $100,000, 150, 200 grand even, maybe even more, right? <clears throat> And I'm, I'm amazed at how many times I've gone to work and I'm driving, driving like my 10-year-old Prius with $150,000 150, miles on it, right? And this kid, you know, half my age is driving an $80,000 Tesla, right? And, you know, I'm teasing Henry a little bit because like, you know, Henry made some nice purchases and, and was like a little, a little, a little flashier than, than, than me, you know, back, back in the day. And now, you know, you're so much wiser and more conscious about these things. So, you know, what are like, what are a couple things that, you know, some of the folks coming into some money for the first time should be thinking about and should do to, you know, avoid a pitfall that, you know, so many people, including yourself, like ran into back in the day. Before you answer that, Henry, tell everybody what car you drive now. Cause I always give you a hard time. <laughs> so I have like a little Ford C-Max, you know, I, I drive a lot. It's a hybrid electric plug-in vehicle. Keep in and, mind, uh, Henry's like all of 6'2", 190, <laughs> athlete built, getting out of this, you know, economical. Yeah, I'm definitely car. not turning my heads getting out of that car. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I'm always like, Henry, do you need to do some stretches before you come? You want to go jump on the trampoline with my boys? Like, you know, what do you, what do you want to do? So, so. I at least want to save Henry a little bit, but go, but definitely answer Scott's question because I think it's it's brilliant. It's a brilliant. Yeah, it came through a lack of education around finances. You know, th this is something that we we are not we're not taught. You know, our our the school our schools don't teach it. You know, we end up being adults, locked signing up for four hundred one ks that we have no idea how they work. You know, because no one ever taught us. You know, our companies don't teach us. You know, um, this was in a time when I didn't know much about finances. I bought a Denali it had 24 inch rims on it I was the typical guy that's just spending money without a with a with, because of a lack of education so I think getting into this industry really opened my eyes uh, especially as an African-American you know the, the first black financial advisor was only hired 60 years ago that's in all of America right my company alone has been around for 175 years so you have to understand, you know, as African-Americans specifically, um, we were never taught how to accumulate wealth and grow assets and turn your income into assets and these type of things. So for these kids that are coming across on with a lot of money, there's things that have changed. Even if your parents and your grandparents taught you things, your parents and your grandparents have pensions. You know, your parents and your grandparents are taking Social Security more than they put in your parents and your grandparents' life expectancy was 70, 75, 80. You know, they retired at 65. Things are a lot differently now. People want to retire at 50, 55. They're living in 95, 100, 105. You know, there's no pensions anymore. Social security is a question, right? So how are you going to pay yourself? Is it really worth buying that Tesla that early? Or can you stop, zoom out a little bit, and kind of think about what do you want your lifestyle to be when you're 60? What kind of income do you want to earn? And are you saving enough? 
So where do, where do people, like, are there three tactical things? Because what you're saying is great. Like, I love the preaching and I love the, 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 the thing, you know, I think the thing that shocks me the most is that, you know, you're African-American. I didn't realize it. So, um, <laughs> but I only say that because I, I know you and I don't ever see you that way ever. <laughs> But what are, you know, I'm 20 something, I'm in my first tech job, you know, and, you know, what, what are some things you could start now, right? Like I actually just signed up for Acorns. I don't need Acorns that app to sort of save my spare change, but I'm just testing it out to see what it's like because I find it interesting, right? Um, what are, are there any things that you give advice because maybe they can't afford life insurance yet? Like literally the income's not there, right? Um, what are some things you can give, some advice? So I love acorns. Um, I, Scott will tell you, I bought an entire surfboard with change. I, I used to hate having dollar bills in my pocket. This is a true story, by change. the way. I would spend money and I would take it and I would put it in an Alhambra water bottle. And I would just have stacks of quarters and nickels and dimes. And I bought like a $780 surfboard with change. So when the acorns came out, it was a, literally the same idea. You know, you buy a bag of chips, take the extra change, turn it into ETFs, you know, and now you have an investment. So I love acorns. Um, starting a Roth IRA, I wish someone would have told me to do that. It, there's no minimum that you need to put in, right? If you, if you have $50 a month to put away or whatever it is a month or $200 a year, put it in something, right? Let it, let it grow. I wish someone would have told me that. You know, if you have a company that is offering you a 401k and they're giving you a match, take it, take the free money, put in the money. If you're not, if you don't have a pension, try to get to the point to where you can put away 20% of what you make. Figure out how to live on the 80. There's people across America that are living on half of what we make and they're very happy. So try to figure out on how to do that. And when it comes to life insurance, life insurance is such a powerful tool. It's the only financial tool, pretty much one of the only financial tools in America that you have to qualify for health-wise. So the whole number of I can't afford life insurance, my first life insurance policy I bought was a million-dollar term policy that I paid $29 a month for. I, I spend more than that on a week in Starbucks coffee. And if I die, Starbucks isn't paying my family anything, right? So when you're buying Jordans for 200 some dollars or when you're buying video games at 50 bucks, 60 bucks a pop, you can afford a life insurance policy that's going to lock in your health. So that way, when you're in your forties and fifties and you're able to do more advanced planning, you don't have to worry about qualifying. I, mean, I think, I think one of the things that would be really nice <clears throat> would be if more companies uh, in the, in the tech industry and everything just took the time to bring in folks like Henry into their company for a little lunch and learn sessions, right. To educate their employees. You know, I can't even tell you how many, salespeople that I've worked with and talked with who have money problems out the wazoo, no matter how much they're, they're earning, you know, or, or from the mistakes that they made previously. So, you know, think about that. If you're, if you're a sales leader or a founder or a CEO out there, like, you know, find somebody in the insurance business or, or the wealth management or, you know, even the real estate industry or the mortgage industry, like educate your people on all these life skills. You know, I, th I think, I think, people be really receptive to it, you know? So Henry, you know, Henry's the, the first guest that we've had on the podcast uh, that is actually a surfer. Henry and I began learning how to surf at the exact same time. 
you know, we, we were just at like a little happy hour after work one day and the two of us and our buddy Javier Belante, um, who is now super successful at, uh, at Edward, Edward Jones, we were just chatting and I think it was me. I, I think I, I said like, Hey, we should all just like, we should go learn how to surf. And out of nowhere, you know, they were both like, yeah, that's a really good idea. And, and before you know it, you know, we went and bought our gear and threw ourselves out in the water and damn near drowned for like three or four times straight, not knowing what we were doing. But, you know, so many, there's so many parallels and similarities, uh, you know, in sales and surfing, not just life, but, you know, g- give me like a, a good story about, about surfing and, you know, how it pertains to, to sales for you and, you know, how it, how it like help clear your head and get you in the right mindset to go back and, and be motivated and that kind of thing. Give, give everybody, you know, a good surfing story. Well, surfing is, is huge when it comes to all of that. I, I actually volunteer for an organization called City Surf Project where we take inner city kids in San Francisco and we take them to the beach and teach them how to surf. And there's so many life lessons that come from surfing. You know, you're, you're nothing's ever consistent. You, you can't control anything, right? You're, you're trying to learn something that every wave is different. It's scary. It's challenging. You're, you're pushing yourself past your limits. You're facing your fears. Um, you have the camaraderie, right? And it has a way of, of grounding you you know, and, and, and letting you know that the world is much bigger than you, you know, and it, and it gives you a sense of gratitude, right? When I wake up in the morning, I, I'm always starting at neutral now, right? And I'm trying to win my morning and, and, and just noticing those small things that I can be appreciative for and have gratitude for. And I think surfing kind of does that. I remember being in Costa Rica and you were there, Scott, and we go out and, it was one one of those days where this crazy storm came in. There was probably what fifteen foot waves coming yeah. regularly, and it was to the points where everyone that I was with was like, "Fuck no, I'm not surfing." You, you're crazy. I, I, I was one of those guys that was like, uh, like a little bit. Not, I'm, out. I'm going I'm not in, paddling out. I ain't, <laughs> I ain't doing it right. And um, you know, we had been there for a few days. My confidence was up, and I'm going. I'm going out. Right. So I paddled out. And you get out there and the, the swell is much bigger than it looks like from the beach. Yeah. I can no longer see yeah. the beach because the swell is that big. The waves are so big where I'm fr- afraid to even paddle into it. You know, long story short, I bail, my leash breaks. I'm out there in the ocean fighting for my life, thinking I'm going to die, you know, meet some random surfer that comes and saves me and I, I'm able to wake, make my way back to the beach. But you know, you have these experiences that smack you right back down to the ground. And, and over the years, anything can be learned. Every single thing that you do at this point, at some point, you never knew how to do it. That's just the reality. Walking, talking, surfing. But if you put your mind to it and you focus on it and you try hard at it, you can become good at it. You know, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great point. You know, I... I always used to say, and you, you probably remember this, Henry, but like my surf session never really began until I wiped out the first time, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> so I, I would just, I would just battle and go for things that were pretty stupid. Um, sometimes. I, think, I think being uncomfortable, you, you have to be uncomfortable. You have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. We, we surfed and come out the water where 
we can't fill our hands because the, the water in the Bay Area is so cold, right? Yeah. Or, or, or paddling through these waves just to try to get out to the, to the break in Ocean Beach and just getting beaten up, right? And a lot of that happens when you're in sales for the first time. Yeah. You know, going into that first year, it's, it's really uncomfortable. You know, you need to learn the ropes. You know, you're probably not going to make what you would like to make in that first year. But if you're able to be comfortable getting uncomfortable and challenge yourself and step into some unknown waters and, and introduce yourself to new people, you're, you're going to get through it. This, this, this has been really great, Henry, man. I'm, I'm so proud of you. You know, you've been one of my best friends for a long, long time now. It, it's amazing to just see, listen to you and see the, the wisdom and the maturity and everything that you, that you spit now. Um, it's just really, really awesome and really proud of, of what you're doing and, and where you're headed. We try to end these podcasts a little bit differently. We try to say, you know, to our guests, you know, ask Richard and I something like, how can we be helpful to you? You know, what's a question maybe that you have for us that, that we could try to answer for you real quick before we, before we get out of here. Does any, anything come to mind? I think you kind of dove into it a little bit. You know, you guys are consultants and you work with business owners on a daily basis. And most people make the majority of their financial decisions at work. You know, if they have life insurance, it's probably through work. If they're saving, it's probably through work. You know, if they have health insurance, it's probably through work, right? So you're impacting these people's lives in a lot more ways than you know. And financial health is very important. You know, people are going to perform at an optimal level when they're not stressing, you know, these employees are going back home to mortgages, they're going back home to kids, they're going back home to surf, to sick parents, and they're dealing with real life, you know, understanding this about your employees and providing resources that will help them on the financial end of it when it comes to advice, and as well as understanding your own finances as a business owner and understanding that, you know, having the business as the, you know, sole retirement plan is pretty risky, you know, and, and having to diversify your own retirement plan is, uh, is pretty key, you know, especially as you get executives that, uh, that you um, really value, you know, keeping these executives in place and making sure they're not going off to other places becomes important too. So I, I just think sharing what I do with other people and what other advisors like me do yeah. uh, would be great. Yeah. Well, you know, you know me, I, I keep, I keep preaching that, you know, not just you, but just in general to, to the community out there that it's a great way to invest in, in their teams. Real quick, before we get out of here, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you, you think? I know we got, we got to work on your LinkedIn game a little bit, but what's the best Definitely, way? Definitely, man. I'm trying, I, I see Richard posting his videos, man. I, I love the videos. That was the interview one that I, that I really, really liked, man. It was pretty cool. You know, Scott, I read your, your blogs and your emails and all of that. You guys are great when it comes to social media. I have a lot to learn from you guys. My, I have my Facebook page. You know, Henry Lee is my personal page. Henry Frazier is my business page. I have my LinkedIn and my email. But uh, What's your oh, email address? Give it to people. out my LinkedIn and my Instagram. Give everybody your email address real quick. Yeah, email hfraser at nyl.com, New York Live. We'll, we'll obviously tag Henry uh, in our post as we socialize this. Hey, bud, thanks for waking up early. Uh, and having a great chat with us. Love you, man. We'll talk to you soon. Man, I'm up at awesome, 4.30. This is late. Ah, there you go. <laughs> 4.30 a.m. soldier right there. 
Great, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Henry.